Chris and I did uh, send each other pictures in the mirror before we got ready, and uh, so now we have the exact same thing on. Um, it's good style. <clears throat> well, we do uh, live in a world filled with pain. We live in a world filled with death, and therefore we live in a world filled with grief. It's something that we all uh, experience in our, in our lives, and grief, what we're talking about today, it, it's the emotion that is defined as a, a deep sorrow or sadness because of pain or loss. Again, something that we all deal with is grief. We've all lost loved ones, I'm sure. Uh, it was two years ago, last week, that I lost my grandfather. And uh, two years ago, on June 1st, will be the anniversary of his funeral that I had the opportunity to speak at. And uh, still, two years later, and I'm sure everybody has experienced this, random waves of grief will hit me. Uh, Emily Clare found uh, Knox, this book that, that we gave to, to Steve, uh, and it's, it's uh, How to Babysit a Grandpa. It's the cutest little kid's book you've ever seen. And, uh, and, and when we got it the first time and I, and I read it, uh, I, I, at the end, I just lost it. Just weeping tears. It was right after I had lost my own grandfather. And, uh, and still, when, when, when moments with, with grandpas happen, it, it brings me back and, and waves of, of grief just can, can rush over at random times. And I know everybody feels that as well. And many of you uh, have lost people. Um, maybe, maybe it was a, a loss that happened more expectedly. It was kind of, uh, you know, you knew it was coming. But others have lost people more suddenly. Um, spouses, children, other loved ones and friends can, can seemingly just be taken away out of nowhere. And grief um, it, it is what results, that, that emotion of loss and sorrow and just sadness that comes. But grief doesn't only come when we lose people as well. We can have sorrow, we can have grief uh, over the way that things could have been. You know, many of you know our friends, Braden and Madison Condre, um, that Braden has actually helped lead worship here a, a few months ago, and they just had a, a baby, and his name's Ezra. It's been about two months now, and uh, there was complications at birth, and, and uh, doctors think that uh, he has uh, some uh, a brain injury that, that we're praying that is healed, and I would urge you to pray as well. Uh, but, but Madison and, and Braden are, are um, and, and the rest of the family, they're grieving not because they've, they've lost the baby. They, of course, they love Ezra. We all love Ezra. Uh, but they're grieving the, the life that they, they, they expected or, or what they thought was going to be. So there's grief not only in, in the loss or, or death of somebody, but there's also grief that can come uh, at the loss of an expectation or, or the loss of something we thought would happen that didn't happen. So all of these things can, can bring about grief. Um, and, and, and sadness that comes. So grief is a part of living in the world. Grief is a part of living in the world, this side of the fall, but this side of the return of Christ. So it's something that we're all going to deal with, this sadness and sorrow that comes from loss. So what do we, what do, we do with it? What do we do with grief? Well, the, the Bible, our text today, addresses grief specifically. And you heard it read, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And here's the, the point of the sermon. So this is a, a direct call from the text, from Scripture, to us as the people today. Grieve with hope because Jesus rose from the dead and is coming back again. Grieve with hope. Grieve with hope because Jesus rose from the dead and he's coming back again. Look at verse 13 again with me. 
But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So here's the first, here's the first division that, that, that I, I want to see here. That, that we are to grieve unlike the world. Grieve unlike the world. Now, to, to kind of get behind what's going on here, it seems that the church of, of Thessalonica, who, who was receiving this letter from Paul, it seems that they had some sort of question about what, what happens to people who have died in, in their congregation. Right? It seems like they had members of their church who had, who had passed away, and, and the church is wondering what's going to happen to them whenever Jesus returns. Like, how is that going to work out? And they had some questions about it, and it seems like that is what Paul is addressing here. They believed that Jesus was coming back, but there was some confusion about what's going to happen to Christians who have died beforehand when Jesus comes back. What, how is that going to go? How's that going to be? And it seems like they thought maybe uh, that these people who, who had already passed away, they weren't going to be able to participate in the return of Christ. And so they have some questions, and so that's what Paul is addressing here and dealing with. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. So he said, I have something. I want to teach you something about what's going to happen to those who have already passed away when Jesus returns. Here's what this is going to look like. And that's what Paul is addressing. Now, he wants to inform them about those who are asleep. Now, that, was a, uh, that became sort of a, a common phrase for people who had died. And Christians sort of adopted that phrase, those who are asleep, uh, to say that yes, though their bodies uh, uh, have died, though they are no longer with us, at the resurrection, their bodies will awake at the resurrection. So Christians uh, kind of adopted this language. So anybody who has died in Christ, anybody who died trusting in Jesus to save, we, we, we can say with the Bible that they're just asleep. Their soul has departed. It has gone to be with Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul says it, it, is, it is far better that I, that I depart so I can be with Jesus. So we know uh, that, that when somebody dies and then before the resurrection, they are with the Lord in his very presence. And we will be reunited with them as we'll see in this text. But this is what Paul is addressing. Thessalonians seem to have some questions about it. And so he's addressing their grief. They were obviously very sad that they had lost people. And they're wondering, what, what's going to happen? What, what is this going to look like? Where are they? What's, go, what's going on? When Jesus returns, what, what's, what's going to happen to them? So they were grieving the loss of members of their congregation, probably members of their family and their friends. So that's what um, Paul is addressing here. And then the second half of verse 13 gives us the, the purpose statement behind the information. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, and here's why. So that you do not grieve as those who have no hope. Now, Paul wants the church, and the scripture is calling, God is calling you and I today to grieve. To grieve. Now, I think that what happens sometimes when we take this verse and when we pluck it out of context, it can, it can almost seem like, um, Paul is saying not to grieve. Like, I don't want you to grieve, full stop. And that's not what he's saying. It, it, we can sometimes, I think, misinterpret or misapply uh, th this verse and it seems like that somehow Christians shouldn't cry or that Christians shouldn't grieve the loss of, of people and we shouldn't grieve, but that is not what, what Paul is saying here. He's saying grieve. 
You, you do need to, to deal with the emotion. You do need to deal when, when, when people, uh, when you lose people that you love, you do need to express uh, that um, deep sorrow and loss that you feel. You do need to express it. So we are supposed to grieve. You know, the scripture calls us in Romans 12 to, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, but to weep with those who weep. So we are to grieve as Christians, though we shouldn't grieve as those who have no hope. And the reality that the dead in Christ will rise again and we will be united with them, that is an objective truth and a reality that we see in this text, that we will be reunited with those who have gone before us in the Lord. But just because we have that truth and that knowledge does not mean that we don't grieve. Of course it does, but it means that we grieve with hope. We grieve with hope. It means that on the one hand, we are not left to utter despair. We're not, we're not left with, with no hope. We're not left with just wallowing in, in despair and feeling like there's, there's nowhere to go. But on the, one hand, on, on the other hand then, it is not that we are uh, left to just not deal with our emotion. Just like, well, I know where they're going and, and, to, not, and to not care. Of course, we can, deep, we, we can care deeply about those who we've lost. We can deal with our grief and our emotion. So we grieve. We are to grieve. So let us, again, cry together when we need to cry. Weep with those who weep. Paul is not saying that we are less sorrowful than the world or somebody that doesn't know Jesus when we lose somebody. He's saying that we have an ultimate hope to anchor us from drifting out into the ocean of despair. We, we, we are anchored ultimately in Christ to, to, not, to not be left uh, out to dry, as it were, to, in, in just to wallow in despair. We have an anchor in Christ, and that is ultimately the resurrection. So we need to grieve. The sorrow and the sadness we feel, it's an emotion that needs to be dealt with. We don't want to bottle it up. You know, we don't want to push it down. We do need to deal with it just like all of our other emotions. And it seems that all of us, again, we may be tempted to either suppress our grief on the one hand or be given to despair on the other, but the Christian way is neither. It is to grieve with hope in Christ. And I've had some guys, you may, you may have heard somebody say this, or maybe this is you, and I mean no offense by this, but I, I've heard people say like, I haven't cried since I was 12 years old or whatever. I'm like, yeah, it's probably not good. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we should probably, um, we, we need to as Christians, and I think this is what this is saying, we do need to feel what we're supposed to feel. We do need to cry when we're supposed to cry. We are supposed to, to, to laugh when we're supposed to laugh. Christians are not unfeeling people. We need to feel it all, but have an ultimate anchor and a hope in Christ. Um, so we grieve with hope. We do grieve. Last observation on, on this point. Paul is making a contrast between the way Christians grieve and then the way non-Christians grieve. Now, as a thought experiment, in your own experience, do, do you think that Christians grieve differently than the rest of the world? Something to think about. Um, Hopefully not. Hopefully we grieve as those with hope, but I think something has, has changed and tweaked in our, in our culture a little bit that is not historically the way that Christianity has actually dealt with, with, um, with death. I'm not picking on anybody, okay? I just want to make the observation, and maybe you've been a part of something like this, but it seems that the world, meaning non-Christians, uh, our, our culture at large, we really want to ignore death, we really want to act like uh, it's not a thing, and, and that's why we have uh, like celebrations of life, you know, instead of funerals, where we try and make everything only positive the whole time. 
Now, of course, we need to have happiness and joy as we remember people uh, that, that have uh, gone on. Uh, we need to be happy and remember them. But throughout history, it has been the distinctly Christian practice to have funerals where we then um, we celebrate their life, of course, and we remember what they have done. Uh, and we remember and, and celebrate what, what Jesus has done for them. But also, for Christians, we are to grieve as those with hope. So we grieve and we, Christians, have the distinct ability and opportunity to stare death in the face. To wrestle with it. To, to, to deal with it. To have the sorrow and, and the grief. But then ultimately, as Christians, um, we have the ability to say, death you will not ultimately win because Jesus has risen from the grave. So Christians, have a, a, we have a unique opportunity then to, to show the world what it is like to grieve, but to grieve with hope. So we grieve unlike the world. And that brings us to verse 14 then. Verse 14. For, or because, so Paul's grounding this again, because since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So this is, Paul, again, grounding. Here's why we can grieve as those with hope, because Jesus has risen from the dead. Because that is a, a reality, a, a, something that is absolutely true. Uh, because Jesus has risen from the dead, we can grieve with hope. And if you have been united by Jesus, by faith, if you trust in him to save that means that you, have, you are spiritually dead and you've been raised to life and that will be true of your physical body as well. That you will rise again from the dead. This is true of you. Unless, of course, we are here when Jesus returns. Now, all of our hope in this life hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. All of our hope in this life hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. That's what we see here in verse 14. If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. I can grieve with hope if Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, the resurrection was the key point all throughout the book of Acts. If you read through it, the apostles are constantly, it's saying that they were witnesses to the resurrection. The, the resurrection was the hinge point. It was the focus of the preaching of the early church. It was the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything changes. Everything is different if Jesus rose from the dead. Everything has changed. It is what they testified to. So, it would follow then, as our faith hinges upon the resurrection, therefore, every area of our lives hinges upon the resurrection. Therefore, if, I, um, if the resurrection is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, then it informs my grieving. I can grieve with hope if Jesus rose from the dead. So I have to ask, do you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead? I mean, really, do, do, you, do you believe it? Because this is the, the hinge point then of Christianity. Do you dwell on it? Do you think of it? Do you praise God for the resurrection? Um, do you tell others about it? Are you a witness like the New Testament Christians were to the resurrection? If we do, if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, not only will, will our grieving be filled with hope, but the rest of our lives will be characterized by hope, won't they? Because it it's all going to be okay if Jesus rose from the dead. There is hope in the worst situations in our lives. 
if Jesus rose from the dead because we know we ha- our Savior lives and we are united to him by faith. I can make it through this depression because of the resurrection. I can handle this impossible situation at work because of the resurrection and I can grieve with hope because of the resurrection. You see, the resurrection changes everything. Now we get to verses 15 through 17 and the division is this, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Verses 15 through 17 teaches this. Paul says, We declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. The main point is this, Jesus is coming again. Let me say, these few verses here um, are some of the most debated and talked about verses in all of the New Testament. This is where we get the idea of the rapture, okay? Um, that, that phrase being uh, caught up in, in the clouds, the Latin, the translation of the Latin is where we get the word rapture, okay? So this is the idea of, um, of those who are alive when Jesus comes being caught up with, with those who have died um, in Christ, in the clouds, okay? So now, this is uh, very debated, very much talked about, you know, um, and what Paul, let me, let me just say this, what Paul is very clearly not doing is setting out a timeline of the end times. That's not what he's doing here. He is speaking words of encouragement to grieving Christians. And so what, what we must keep in mind here is the point, the context of what's going on. It's that Jesus rose from the dead so we can have hope, we can grieve as those with hope, and Jesus is returning again. And we can have hope and encouragement in that. That's what's happening in this text. You see, the resurrection and the return of Jesus meant encouragement, not fear and worry. So, um, this is a joke. But if you get your end times, what you believe about the end times from books or movies starring Kirk Cameron or more recently Nicolas Cage, uh, please... Um, just reconsider, you know, take them for, for what they are, but, but we need to look and, and see what scripture has to say primarily. But again, what's happening here in this text is that there is encouragement. There are words of encouragement to be had here. Do you see how this could work? It's in the moments of pain and loss. In the moments of pain and loss where brothers and sisters in Christ can, can come together and weep with us, cry with us when we've lost people. And then say things like, we will see him again when Jesus returns. And say things like, since Jesus died and and rose again, we know that she will rise again. And simply, there is hope in Christ. This is what, what Paul is talking about here, that there is to be encouragement in these words. And, um, we won't dig into the, the, technicalities of, uh, of the, the rapture and all the different options and stuff, but, but the reality is this. Verse 16, that the Lord himself is coming. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. The Lord himself is coming to be with his people forever, and in that we can have hope and encouragement. He's coming with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. Seems like there's going to be no doubt what's happening. It's not going to be a secret when Jesus returns to gather his people together to be with him forever. 
Those who are alive will be caught up together with them, the dead in Christ who have risen. Um, it seems like the question that they had was, what's going to happen to those, those who, have, who have fallen asleep? And Paul is saying specifically, actually, it seems like those who have gone before will actually have a, a place of um, prominence when Jesus returns. They, they get to go first, actually, to welcome Jesus to his rightful kingdom. They actually get the, the, the spot of, uh, of um, honor in the procession when we meet Jesus in the clouds. So actually, the, the people who have gone before have a, a special place. And that's what Paul is addressing here. Don't be uninformed. Those, those who have died, they are going to have a special place when Jesus comes back for his people. The question is, though, uh, which way do we go after we meet the Lord in the air? That's the question that I want you to wrestle with. Do your own research and reading. But if we get really technical on the phrase to meet, uh, it, it, was a, it was a phrase whenever um, dignitaries would come, like governors or kings, when they would, when they would come to, uh, to visit a city, there would be a procession that would go out, and they would meet them outside of the town, and then they would welcome them in. So it seems as if the dead in Christ will rise and those who are alive that are left whenever Jesus comes will meet him together and then welcome him to his rightful kingdom. So, we will be with him forever. Again, remember the point. Jesus is coming again and we will be with him forever. Now, these verses are the fullest description that we have about the second coming of Jesus in the New Testament, and it is not a lot, so um, we, we need to keep the main point, the main thing, and again, remember, the Lord himself will return to be with his people forever, and this is a great comfort to us now in our grief. And then the last division, verse 18, just read it as it is, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Remember, we can and should grieve, but we grieve with hope. We remember and encourage one another with the resurrection of Jesus. And we remember and encourage one another that Jesus is coming again. We can have hope because of the resurrection and return of Jesus. That's the truth found in these words today. So we can grieve, but we grieve as those with hope. So in response then, we're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're going to be reminded of these truths, these foundational truths of the Christian faith. But as we respond... Um, I want to ask if you have properly grieved. We are to grieve, but we're to grieve as those with hope. And so if there's anybody here, again, I, th I think this is a tendency, if there's anybody here that, that has kind of been keeping emotion down, you've experienced pain, loss, and sorrow, but you, you, haven't, you haven't let it out. You haven't cried a good cry like we all need. Um, go for it today. <laughs> Go for it today. Because you can grieve, but we grieve with hope, anchored to Christ. So let's weep together. And then let us encourage one another with these words. That encourage what is one another in our grief. So let's not put on masks today and act like everything is okay. Not COVID masks, by the way. Uh, but, but like acting like everything is okay and ignoring our grief. Let's not do that. Let's, let's be real with one another as God has called us to be. Let's weep with those who weep. Let's grieve, but grieve with hope. And then let us encourage one another with these truths that we can grieve with hope because Jesus rose from the dead and he's coming back again. So um, we're going to respond in, in worship again. And I'll ask you to um, 
You don't have to stand. You can sit. You can stand and worship or whatever. But I, I would urge you to, to respond however the Lord is leading you today. If you need to grab somebody and, and pray and, uh, and just tell him you love them and cry a little bit or whatever. Or uh, if you've never trusted in Jesus to save, then now would be the time to tell somebody. We'll have some prayer partners. And, um, and just if you, if you need somebody to talk with, we're, we're here for you. And, uh, and most of all, we can. I, I want to leave here with hope because of what Jesus has done. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.